Hey, sweetheart. Revelation 22, 17. King James Version. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. The spirit and the bride. Not the spirit of the bride. The spirit and the bride <laughs> say, come. Holy Spirit and Christ say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. They say, come. And let us also say what they say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price, come. We've been commissioned to come and release others to come. Drink water where we will never go thirsty again. Eat food where we will never go hungry again. So, I have a request for you, Buka. I'm not going to say starting right now because it's already half of the day. But starting tomorrow morning, I want you to fast and pray with me. You can determine how long you, you know, fast. Fast and pray with me. Last time I had you to fast, I said, give up the video games. That's easy. <laughs> I'm here to push you and stretch you and partner you and empower you and receive the same back in return from the God in you. I don't want you to fast where something could be substituted. There's a substitute for video games. There's a substitute for going out shopping. There's a substitute for TV, but there is no substitute for earthly food. <laughs> Hallelujah. Naturally. But I want you to tap into your spiritual hunger, your spiritual thirst. It's nothing like giving that sacrifice to God. I'm laying aside me taking care of my natural body with earthly nourishment to come alongside with you, God, to receive spiritual nourishment, which is clarification, more of all of who you is, God. Every area that you see that I need to discover, to tap in, to embrace, I'm here for that. I'm available for that. Because when we give up our earthly appetite as a sacrifice, God released to us what's on his agenda regarding our spiritual appetite. And I want that for you because I'm here for you to receive the best. All that God has for you, that is his best. All means all. And I'm here to release just that in your life. No weapon formed against you. None. Shell will never, ever prosper. But let me tell you this. Because you're surrounded by a lot of people from all parts of this planet. Who's created by God. You have a lot of people surrounding you, connected to you, 
school friends, colleagues, spiritual friends, childhood friends, friends here, family here, friends where you from, and family where you from, and other places due to other connections. But I don't ever have you or whatever have you to think that that defines you. Because you stand and you stand firm doing your walk and your journey with God alone. But know that you are never lonely. Because people can change like things that appear with the natural eye. It's subject to change. You minister how God have you to minister. Some people may want to receive. Some may not want to. It doesn't mean that that was better than the last thing. Well, maybe I'm going to do better next time when I release something out there because I had more people responsive to this than that. That's not your focus. Not saying it is. But I won't allow that to even think it can come close, even try to come near you. Because you've already been defined by God. You are son of God. You are royal. You are holy. You are pure. You are divine. And nobody's going to ever define you. Comments, replies, subscriptions doesn't define you. Publicity doesn't define you. Popularity doesn't define you. People don't define you. Personal opinions don't define you. Criticism don't define you. Sarcasm don't define you. Strongholds don't define you. Obstacles don't define you. Opposition doesn't define you. You are blessed to be a blessing. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Everywhere you go, blessed. Blessed. People are receiving God's blessing in their life because you allow God to show out by you showing up. You have to know that you know that you know it's only what God says. No matter who come and say what God is saying. You know what to accept. You know what to deny. You go forth and do what God asks of you. Don't worry about nobody's facial expressions. Rejection doesn't define you. It doesn't even matter. Who do you say God say you are? Who do you say God is to you? Now you release who he is to you. Because who he is to you is who he is to them. Who he's sending you to. It's not about you taking pictures. That doesn't define you. Doing anything to public rights, anything doesn't define you. It's good to do, but it doesn't define you. You're not going to get off track. You're not going to be entangled. You're not going to water down. You're not going to slack. You're not going to lack. You're going to continue to prosper in all that you do. Be careful who you take things from. Be mindful of every motive. Observe every connection due to connecting. 
You are filled with wisdom. Use the wisdom of God that's blessed with on you like never before. It's all up on you like never before. The blessing of God. Release that with the wisdom of God. Also with the knowledge of God. Also with the mercy of God. You are mighty because of the might of God. You are strong because of the strength of God. God showing you how it is to stand in all that you do. Stand and stand firm, deeply rooted and deeply planted. You're not amongst those that thinks that their domination is in their population. You're not going to do what people tell you to do. You're going to do what God says to. Many celebrities are going through that right now. And every gospel celebrity said the same thing. I'm sure of it. The same thing that we're saying. I'm so out for the kingdom. Father, I won't do what others have done. You're going to find me faithful. Watch and see. I'm not going to water down your gospel. I'm not going to become entangled. I'm not going to become conformed. I'm transformed by the renewal of my mind. You watch me, Father. I'll show you. And then when the ratings start going up, the subscriptions start going up. And then they tell you that it's okay to be able to relate to more of an earthly reality to gain more people for God's kingdom. So say some things that pertain to the world way. Do some things that pertain to the world way. And it's pretty much saying we want your earth in God's kingdom. Everything of the earth in God's kingdom. No, it's on earth as it is in the kingdom. Hallelujah. Souls are waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. And what is the manifestations? Seeing Jesus. Through you, through me. Is there anyone here who's not prejudging? Is there anyone here who's not so religious and uptight, forgetting that they've been delivered? Is there anyone here who don't turn their faces up and noses up at people? Is there anyone here that don't tell people where they do not or do belong or what they can and cannot have? Is there anybody they're searching for the manifestations of God through the sons of God? And we are the sons of God. They have us thinking that Yes, yeah, all about your God. Come on. 
You're influential. Come on. Now you got sponsors and everything. Come on. Now you got a ticket to Hollywood, YouTube. You got a lot of, you know, subscribers. You got a lot of views. So now you, you know, you got sponsors now. Come on. Do they put you in lights, camera, action? We're trying to have people define who we really not. And sometimes God is protecting us from having us to fall into temptation, diverse temptation. I would never ever see you fall. I would never ever see you lack. I would never ever see you become entangled. I would never ever see you without. I would never ever see you in a state before Christ got up. Because when he rose, so did you. And I'm going to make sure that you have that as your reality. As you do with me. I'm enjoying everything that God is showing me about what he's using you to do. People are going to want to have lights, camera, action with you. And it's all good. And I'm going to make sure that God always remain exalted. So are you. Every invitation is not a godly invitation. Let's be mindful what we accept from people. Because sometimes we're selling our souls due to accepting things that we feel as though it's a love offering. But it's actually a soul offering. And we always say to God when it comes to acceleration, when we start, you know, populating and being influential and you understand, people start to know who we really are, different parts of the earth. And we still declare we sold out. The next thing you know, we realize we have, you know, we sailed out. We came a sellout. And that's not us. It's not us. That is not us. I've never been so serious in my life. Let me tell you why. Because so many times I went back and forth with my yes God. And here he is. As honoring as he is. As patient as he is. As loving as he is. Looking at me go back and forth. Still forgiving me like he do because he's still the same. Forgiving me every time I renege on my yes. Every time I be shown unfaithful. Every time I became entangled. Not just things on the outside, even things on the inside. Well, we're not bearing much more fruit than what are we doing? What else are we bearing? Burdens? Yokes, strongholds, becoming entangled, doing things we don't normally do, saying things we don't normally say, treating people like we have never done before, 
And it's about his name's sake. That's what it's all about. There's no way we can lose sight of that when he's with us all the day long and release to us Holy Spirit. God vents to me past, present, and future. And three times, sweetheart, that I can count on one hand that he did that in such a way. He don't do it much because I don't even know what to say to him while he's doing it. I don't know what to say when God's doing that to me. I just listen. I never get the first time he vented to me. He, he don't mind if I share with you. He woke me up to find him pacing back and forth very fast in front of my bed. He just going back and forth. I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Have no other gods before me. I'm the one who brought you out. He just kept saying that. And I didn't know how to cut him off because, you know, when somebody feels some way, you don't want to just say anything. You're like, you know, uh, okay. I was like, God, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not like that, right? You're not talking to me, are you? He just kept saying it. Because he heard or he seen so many people worshiping other gods after what he have done. Look at all he have done since we've been created here as a generation. Of a creation, as a creation, excuse me. As one. Not generation upon generation upon. I mean everybody as a creation who have been here. Let me say it that way. And look how many times he had to remind his creation that he's the creator. And he's too good for that. It's not about him supplying food and healing me and blessing me that, you know, out of what I was in, it's bigger than that. He so loved me that he gave. It's no way there's no way that I don't give myself over to him as a living sacrifice. It's no way I wouldn't even not want to. How many times we are found unfaithful due to our level of faith and trust in him. Let him be him. I'm not going out like that. I'm not letting you go out like that. Anybody, actually. The second time he vented to me, he took me all the way up above the earth and had us watch down over all of this water. And I'm trying to tell you, when they say the earth is filled with water, it really is. And he, all he had me to hear, it was Christmas time. And all he had me to hear is how people was complaining for those who were complaining during Christmas time. Christmas time again? God darn. Now I got to go get some presents. I ain't got no money this year. I didn't get no bonus. I ain't get no rates. I'm going to get them what they got me last year. I ain't answering my phone. I ain't got nothing for them. It was all of the complaining. And he just looked at me while I listened. I didn't know what to say to him. I didn't know what. Now, I'm not saying everybody did. He just showed me, you know, by letting me hear the ones who were. 
Sometimes he moved by what people are not doing versus the ones who are doing what they're supposed to do. He's glad you are where you are. But for those who are not, it's still, you know, have him to feel heavy in his heart concerning a thing. He has feelings too. He said, I'm a jealous God. I so love. Those are emotions, feelings. I didn't know what to say to him when he vented to me. And here goes the, uh, two days ago. This is the third time he have ever vented to me like this. And he said, Quenisha, yes, God. The Israelites been in Egypt as slaves for 400 years. Yes. According to ancient biblical theology, it says that from Malachi to Matthew, there's a 400 year silence of me. Do you believe that? No. Why don't you believe that? Because you say you would never leave us nor forsaken us. So why is that said about me? Is it because someone angry at me? Because they're not thinking my level of thinking? Demonstrating my ways concerning my perspective regarding a thing? It sounds like that was a statement out of retaliation towards me. Because they were in Egypt for 400 years, as if I wasn't with them, what happens to them always happens to me first. To say that another 400 years went on without me doing anything, is that something that I would do? No, it's not. Then we got to change that. I was like, okay, God. <laughs> he said, let me share something with you. Okay, God. And I said, okay, God. Before the great Bible, it was a Tanakh in a Torah, which was only in Greek and Hebrew. The great Bible was first made 1539, published 1560. New Testament was added in 1557. So between 1539 and 1557, it was just only the Old Testament. It was made in England by William Shakespeare, the Knox and others in England. After that, it was the Geneva. 1557 in England. 51 years later, King James translated what was in the Great Bible in 1539 that was made. And he also translated, collaborating what was in the Geneva and came up with his way of translating the Holy Bible. And according to ancient biblical his history regarding who wrote the Bible in the beginning, it started out with that theology Moses did, and then Joshua, and then Eliezer. But the thing about it is, this is where God wanted me to see. Eliezer is the son of Aaron. But God left Joshua in charge of his people. 
And back then, the next heir is the one to rule. Aaron was already dead before Moses died because Moses buried Aaron and took his garment and put it on Eliezer. Because he was the next, you know, heir in the bloodline from his father. But when Joshua died, according to the historical theology, biblically, Eliezer, Aaron's son, became the leader of God's children, along with some great priests. And God said, I'm going to give you an example of what happened. Just like today, when you guys have home-going services, so many words sometimes be exchanged about the eulogy, the obituary. This wasn't added in right. This person's name was misspelled. This person should have been in there that wasn't in there. Why they got this outfit on? They never wore clothes like that. Why you put a hat on their head? They didn't even wore a hat. It's a lot of confrontation. And there goes the will. And there goes their possessions and their estates. Their property. People going back and forth. Who going to have what? Who going to take what? Family, pun family. And then there goes a will being read. It let you know who actually get what specifically. Then people still arguing, God say, how come they got the house? How come I didn't? How come they got the money? How come they got that much money? How come they get to keep the, you know, the jewelry? And that, well, that's what happened when Joshua died, God is saying to me. He tells me things that's not written in the book because it's not enough information to be, I mean, excuse me, not enough, you know, resource in the book. Let me just say, it's not enough pages. You understand? To document everything. You understand, Buka? I know you do. Some things God had me to say to you, you're, you're hearing it for the first time. And God backs it up. That's how I'm crafted. For him to expose mysteries. And I mean mysteries that we didn't even see by him venting to me. Now, how God relate and commune with you may be different, but it's new and powerful to me because he don't do that towards me that way he do to you or anybody else. We are uniquely and wonderfully made. And God said to me, that's what happened with Moses' bloodline along what happened with Joshua on his end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because when Joshua died, Hosea should have been next in line for God's children. But someone in, blood, in Moses' bloodline thought it would be best to have Eliezer, which is Aaron's son, to take that position. Because they wanted to keep it in Moses' bloodline. But God cut Moses' bloodline off when he stopped Moses from taking him any further due to disobedience. So who were anybody to tell Eliezer, Joshua's son, 
that he can rule when Aaron was even cut off. And God was saying to me, Hosea has a personality as his father, Joshua. Chill. Like, you know, they'd rather for God to be glorified. You know, no arguing, no fussing, no fighting. Long as, you know, God get what he want out of, you know, everything. And you know it's like they have that personality, right? Somebody might be want to fight for a title. Go ahead. No fighting. No, we ain't doing all of that. It's not, you know, let's not fight. Let's not argue. So Hosea was pretty much like, no, this just, you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. But Hosea knew that he was next to kin from Joshua. And God gave me another example. Just like if you're waiting next in kin from your bloodline to take that family business. But the person that went alongside with that family member that owned that business, their colleague is best fit for the position. But you want that position because you family and you want to keep it in the family. But the other person that worked there is more suitable and can make sure that it stands and it prosper. But the person in your family who owns that business up and just die, depart their body without making any decisions. So now you guys going back and forth, who going to get it? But you feel as though you have a right to it because it's in your bloodline. It's passed down. We going to get it. And the other person feel like, you know, I'm better for it, but I'm not going to fight you because it was in your bloodline. You, you have more of a right to it than I do, but that's not how God moves. God would have appointed Eliezer if he wanted to after Moses. God said, no, Joshua. I'm going to start with a new bloodline. So when Joshua died without anyone hearing who's next, they made a decision. We're going to choose Eliezer. It's not going to be Hosea. And in the New, I mean, in the Old Testament, in the book of the Bible, in the books of the Bible, Hosea is book 28. But he should be mentioned way before that. You understand? The New Testament is in order. But according to the, the book of Matthew, Luke, and John, many of the encounters that they all were there to witness, but it's documented differently each time. Regarding Christ's baptized, baptism of John, According to his resurrection, all three books have something different, but all three disciples were there together. And according to the Old Testament, the books are not in order. Once it get past numbers, you know, you can find yourself in it. Hosea was next after Joshua. So it took 28 books to mention Hosea's name. Just like someone thought it was a good idea to take out the book of Enoch. So guess what God had me to do regarding that, sweetheart? He wanted me to invest in the Geneva book and the Great Bible. 
and look at those passages as a comparison to King James and see where the miscommunication and the mistranslation is there. Because God's saying to me, if we going to tell it, it must be told correctly. Not out of a personal opinion. Find yourself in the word. But God just have me as I'm crafted to pinpoint what needs to actually be there regarding who he is and what he do. That's my gifting. To expose every lie. That's a lie, God says, to say he was silent for 400 years. If you Google that, you're going to read that he was silent for 400 years. They're going to say between Malachi and Matthew was a 400-year silence of God. God even showed me, he said, I want you to read Ecclesiastes 6, message translation. And it start off the bad news. And to sum it all up, it pretty much says, I want you to go through this passage, sweetheart. Okay, Father. If I'm going to tell it, God say, tell it. Let me go to Ecclesiastes 6. And that's all God had me to do. That's history, you know, making history. And God had me to make history by going back and expose what he want me to, even in the present and future. That's my gifting of being here. My anointing. That's where the grace flows on my life. Giving a word due to what he exposed unto me. What he say to me. That's why a lot of times I have to release. I don't say anything unless I hear him say. And I get why Christ said that a lot. Because it don't make sense to say, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. It really don't make sense. Naturally. Hallelujah. It probably didn't make sense to you when God was telling me the difference between Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit. They both are present. Holy Ghost comes up on us. Holy Spirit comes within us. We cannot receive Holy Spirit unless we receive Holy Ghost. That is the baptism. It's going from being dead to being alive. That is Holy Ghost. And as a symbol of it, is a water baptism. The shouting, the dancing, the rolling around, the jerking, all that come from Holy Ghost. The day of Pentecost, Peter and them experienced them both at the same time. They were dancing, shouting, and speaking in tongues. That's Holy Spirit. Being able to discern, speak the gospel, receiving wisdom, from what is right and what is wrong. That's Holy Spirit. Peter spoke in a way he never spoke before when those priests and them was approaching them. Wait, how are they speaking our language? Isn't it not from where we from? For the people that were speaking that language from those other places. 
I can identify my speech. And Peter spoke up in the, on behalf of Christ. Being used by Holy Spirit for the first time. Yeah, the one you crucified. The one who you denied. The one who you betrayed. He's the one responsible for this. He is the Son of God. Holy Spirit will have you show up so God can show out. And Holy Ghost have you to dance it out. <laughs> dance it out of your clothes like David. Praising out of your way like David. <laughs> Try to tell <laughs> Let me get to this. Ecclesiastes 6. The message translation. And God said, Quenisha, read that. And I read it. And God said, that's not saying I'm a good God, is it? I was like, no. I'm going to let you hear, sweetheart. Because these words I'm speaking to you is opening you up more. And I want you to hear what's in Ecclesiastes 6. Now, due to my research, I was like, who was responsible for Ecclesiastes? And it looked like it was going around, like, it, like Google was pointing the finger at different people. Solomon. The priests, the judges, the Israelites, a little bit of everybody, it was pretty much saying. And this is what was said. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, the Message Bible. Things are bad. I look long and hard at what goes on around here. And let me tell you, things are bad. And people feel it. There are people, for instance, on whom God showers everything, money, property, reputation, all they ever wanted or dreamed of, and then God doesn't let them enjoy it. Whoa. Some stranger comes along and has all the fun. It's more of what I'm calling smoke, a bad business. Whoa. Somebody is venting out of retaliation due to them thinking that God bless those who do bad. And curse those who do good. And many times we say good things happen to bad people. And bad things happen to good people. A lot of people are angry at God. How come this? How come that? How come you bless them? How come you doing this for them? What about me? And that's what it's pretty much saying. Things are bad. It's pretty much saying God bless who he choose to bless. As if he's not going to bless everybody overall. And sometimes we're not careful when we state in God's scripture. When we say things like. Many are chosen. Many are handpicked. But only a few chosen. That statement is not to say that God only grabbed up a handful of people to bless and prosper. No. It just means. That many are aware of who they, I mean, yeah, many are, you know, here. God so loved the world that he gave for everyone, but only a select a few are aware of their true identity. Only a few are aware that they have been chosen. Only a few are aware of who they are in God by knowing who God is. 
Only a few are not giving God lip service. Only a few are alongside with God. Only a few endure without saying words that God wouldn't say regarding endurance. Only a few are on one accord for real, the for real with God. When God said, do not touch my anointing and do my prophet no harm, it doesn't exclude apostles, pastors, teachers, songers, dancers. That's not what he's saying. He pretty much saying, I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you as your God. And that applies to everyone. And this is documented talking about our father. It's pretty much saying just deal with whatever come your way, whether you understand it or not, whether it's good or bad, whether God love you or not, just deal with it. There's no way out of it. You hear he's in charge. That passage came out of anger and God said that to me. He's going to passage three to five. Say a couple have scores of children, lots of children and live and live a long, long life, but never enjoy themselves. Do that sound like a land flowing with milk and honey? Do that sound like being fruitful to multiply, replenish the earth? Do that sound? Do that sound like blessed going in and blessed going out? Do they even sound like prove me? I open the windows of heaven and pull you out of blessing. You have new room to receive. Do they even sound like that your reaping should overtake your sowing? No, it doesn't. Even though they end up with a big funeral, I'll say that a stillborn baby gets a better deal. It gets its start in a mist and ends up in the dark, unnamed. It sees nothing and knows nothing, but it is better off by far than any living thing. Even if someone lived a thousand years, make it two thousand. But then enjoy anything. What's the point? Doesn't everyone end up in the same place? So what advantage has a sage over a fool or over some poor wretch who barely gets by? Just grab whatever you can while you can. Don't assume something better might turn up by and by. All it amounts to anyway is smoke and spitting into the wind. Whatever happens, happens. It's destiny. It's fixed. You can't argue with faith. The more words that are spoken, the more smoke there is in the air. And who is any better of? And who knows what's best for us as we live out our meager smoke and shadow lives? And who can tell any of us the next chapter of our lives? There is nothing joyful about that passage. It's pretty much saying, tough it up, suck it up. Whatever happens, happens. Just continue on. There's nothing you can do about it. You're not in charge. If you're blessed, good for you. If you work hard to receive nothing good from that, if something that you worked and received and it's in the hands of somebody who didn't do any labor, well, if that can happen too, who decides fate? Wow. 
And God said, Quenisha, that's not saying I'm a good God at all, does it? No. No. Some passages are just personal testimonies due to people's encounters, just like we have our testimonies written in the last book of life of our testimonies. But it still shows in the word how faithful our God is. Every promise he has spoken to us, regardless of how we felt concerning it. I'll never forget John visit me, sweetheart. I told you that a lot. Quenisha, I've never said that I was the one Christ loved the most. I can never have said that. Hallelujah. So God want me to invest in the great Bible in the Geneva. And I will. Hallelujah. God also said, I never said that the, that the Sabbath was on a Saturday. I said that the seventh day is the Sabbath, not Saturday is the Sabbath. I named my days by numbers. I said what I have done on the first day, the second day. I said that my son will rise on the third day, what happens to be the first day of the week. I never said the third day was Sunday. I never said the Passover was on a Thursday. I named the days by numbers and not by name. So who put names on top of my names? Mm, mm, mm. I'm trying to tell you. So God want me to, you know, show you my crafting. Why I'm here. And it's just a small portion of it regarding any ancient, present, or future theology. God is using Quenisha Jenny's hood to expose every lie concerning it. Because when we say we're about our father's business, how we purpose to be here, that's how he have us to respond to his business. Whether yours is through song or that shop word, sweetheart, you could be both at the same time. But no one can speak like you can. Or have a style and song like you can. And I'm going to tell you, sweetheart, you have songs. And your style. You got to release those songs. It doesn't matter what's being rehearsed. People will come alongside on what God is doing. Because God may give you just one sentence of a song and someone else there because you took that step of faith. He placed there in your path the game to come up with the next passage of the song or the chorus to the song or the melody of the song. 
God said, Quenisha, stop looking so outward all the time and look inward when it comes to taking steps of faith. Because if you look outward, you're going to be looking for things to fall in place before you go out and do. But you got to go out and do in order for them to fall in place. When it comes to a vision, God said, look at when you make a puzzle. Many people start with the outer pieces. And God said, that's not how I work, Quenisha. I start with the inside and work my way on the outside. Many of you work on the outside of the puzzle, the edges and all that that come forth with the inside. Come on. Hallelujah, Buka. I haven't been out the way how God's sending me sweetheart in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. And I'm not going to lie, nervous too. Yes, I am. Because for one, I'm by myself. And if there's not even nothing wrong with that, it's just like, you know, here we are, Quenisha, again. You know, let's do this. <laughs> and not even just that, but it's like, you know, just to go out and do something for his name's sake, sometimes we can be nervous. I'm just that honest to say that. Every time before I speak, I be nervous. That don't mean I'm afraid. I'm just nervous. None of me and all of you, God. Hallelujah. God would say, Quenisha, book a flight. Go to the state. Go pray and come back home. What? I wasn't even invited. <laughs> I didn't ask that. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you for God. <laughs> God. I'm trying to tell you, sweetheart. For real. Yeah. God said, you put love in your food. You cook with love. I wonder, you're a chef. There's not one chef that I have not seen on TV. I don't know any, to be honest. Well, you know, I'm not professional, but I do enjoy. But it's not like my, my passion. Like some people just like, I'm, that's my thing, the, the cook, cook, cook. And that's your thing. That's your thing. And every chef desire is to have their own restaurant. Is that your desire? Is that your desire? Because I saw you in that video on YouTube and you had the whole little thing, whatever you call it, the whole shebang, the headpiece, the, 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 whatever, the, the drape apron, whatever. That, and it was so professional looking. Five star, by the way. It wasn't just no, you know, apron that you wear in the kitchen. You had on the whole, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you in, you know what I'm saying? You in the whole gourmet joint. I don't know what to call it. You got to give me the names to it. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I just know, you know, it's a chef look. <laughs> the chef look. Ask <laughs> Do you desire your own restaurant? What are you doing now? I know you're doing more than just, you know, broadcasting health products. And God said to me, um, office things. I know it's more than just working in the office. Because I feel as though whatever you did or do in the office, that's just was a nine to five. That's not your passion. So what is your schedule like now regarding your passion? I need to know because, you know, you hear mine, what I'm doing. I travel and I pray and I give a word. Miracle signs and wonders following. Whoever need whatever from God, that's what's happening. The atmosphere is being shifted everywhere I go. You hear mine. And I know you, you know, share the same purpose with me. Because God has us to be as one when it's time for us to join as one. But specifically, 
What is it about you that you're doing that I'm not aware of yet? That's what God has my hunger to be also. Yeah, Buka. I wonder. I really wonder, Buka. Do you want your own restaurant? That's not a purpose. I mean, not, it's not a passion for me. But I will stand in agreement with you. Because the way how you looked in that kitchen, like that's what you really like to do. Like that's you right there. The cooking. The baking. Because nobody's going to cook without the whole look. You know? I just felt to say that. Is that what you really love? Yes, fashion is great, but that's not where your heart is in fashion. Mm -mm. You're not in the mirror all day taking selfies and all that. The lights, camera, action to be a model. That's not your passion. Your love, God says, in your cooking. Now, it's love in the word of God as well. And, and, you know, as you sing. But it's nothing like cooking. And even with your music, you have your own style. When can we see that? I'm going to pull that out of you. I don't want Dwight Martin ministering Diedrich Haddon or Will McDowell. I want Dwight Martin ministering Dwight Martin. You release those ideas. I know that you have times when you go out with the guys and have them come over and things like that. What are you guys doing when you're there? I hope just not playing video games. Are you guys singing and getting things started? Up and running for the kingdom? You're definitely going to do that as of now, if not. Why are you fasting starting tomorrow for a couple of hours? The rest of this week for a couple of hours. When you wake up, I don't care if it's two hours, two and a half hours. Just no food and drink with me, please. And I guarantee you, you're going to hear God like never before and see God like never before. Now, don't do it to prove me. Do it because you know God's already proved himself faithful and loyal and mighty. Okay, Buka. I love you. Yes, I do. Very, very much so. Yes, Buka. I love you very much. So that's what I want. That's what I desire. For God to be clearly seen and showing out as you show up in your life.
You have an amazing style of everything. That's what is needed. You have a style to music, a style to speaking, a style to even cooking. And I'm here to help you do what you do. Okay? I love you. Greater is he who's in us than he's in the world. Thank you for listening to how God crafted me. And I know sometimes you're like, what? But it's not in the sense that you don't believe. And I appreciate you not sharing the tongues of fire because a lot of things that God had me to say, I never said before. God had me laughing at the devil yesterday in tongues and of fire. And it was very sensitive. I cried and cried. I wept in tongues of fire and you didn't share it. Thank you. I don't mind that, but I just thank you. Because that was like, you know, God exposed me to record something that I would have did in a closet with the door closed. I never laughed at the devil in tongues before. You know? He had me to do that. That's not something I thought I would ever do. But expect the unexpected, right? Thank you for listening, Buka. Greatest he's in us. He's in the world. Starting tomorrow for a couple of hours. I don't care if it's two. No food, no drink. <laughs> don't even brush your teeth on this plane. <laughs> yeah, you better rush them down. <laughs> you better brush your teeth. <laughs> you better. If you're going out. <laughs> you I love you. But yeah, seriously. No food, no drink. So don't be out there trying to jog. If you do jog, run. Doing what you do is when you burn out fluids, you know, your body going to want that replacement. And if you're not going without no water, you're going to find yourself dehydrated. So just for a couple of hours, that's nothing. I could have said half of the day. And you better not be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, listen to me. A couple of hours, Okay. What's this? Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. For two hours when you get up. That's the least. Come on now. No food and drink. Hallelujah. And pray with me. Hallelujah. Greater seas in us than he's in the world.